Well, we're talking today about moving forward in community. You know, when God told the children of Israel to move forward, God didn't tell Moses, hey, tell people to move forward alone. In fact, he said, move forward together. And I believe that that's God's word for us today. God is looking at the grace place and he's saying, the grace place, we, the only way we're going to move forward is if we move forward together. The core of our text today is going to come from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. If you're familiar with the book of Acts, uh, this Luke describes what the early church was like when they first formed and began to spread the gospel to the first century world. And here's how it reads. It'll be up on the screen. You can read it with me as well. It says this, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet needs in the temple. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray today. God, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. Lord, we ask that you would use your word today to build us, to correct us, to rebuke us, to encourage us, and to strengthen us. I pray today, God, that as your gospel is preached, that you would reveal yourself to the hearts of us today. God, I pray that the hope of your good news would fill our hearts with joy, and we just ask that it would go to transform us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, somebody say a really loud AM, amen, if you're awake this morning. And if you're really awake, say a good amen. Amen. Good job, Pastor. (laughs) Hey, if we're going to go forward, we've got to move forward together as a community. The truth is, we can't do it alone. See, every single one of us are here today because of the help of a community. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, it may not have been the community you wanted But nevertheless, it was a community. See, God put a community of people around you to put a roof over your head, to teach you, to feed you when you were young, to believe in you, to give you a chance, to give you a job, to introduce you into Christ. And why is that? Because God has been behind the scenes, moving a community of people around you for your good. How many know that's some pretty good news? See, we think we're alone sometimes just you know, struggling away through this life. And God's saying, no, I've surrounded you with a community of people to make you who you are today. My goal today is this, as we're talking about moving forward in community, it's threefold. One, I want to give you a biblical basis for community. Two, I want to encourage you to level up in your relationship with the community of God. And number three, I'm going to ask you to identify a small group of people at the end of the service that identify as people who you want to do life with over this next season. Now, scripture has some great things to say about community. And first in your notes, it talks about the genesis of community. The word genesis just simply means beginning. So when we go back to the very beginning and we look at the genesis of community, we can see the genesis of community in the existence of God. We see this in Genesis 1. In the very beginning, the Bible says this, in the beginning, God. That's it. 
In the beginning, God. See, in the beginning, there was no physical world. The created world had not been, uh, had not come into existence yet. And there was still God and he existed. Revelations 4.8 tells us that heavenly beings, in fact, give witness to God's existence before all creation. It reads this. It says, for day and night, the beings before the throne never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Scripture says this. It says, we have a God who was before anything else was. And I want to encourage you to go on a little mental creative journey with me for a moment. If you would do it with me, can we just imagine what life was like when God was, before nothing else was? Before all creation, God was in perfect harmony with himself, the Trinity, the triune community of God before everything. Now, when I say the word triune, it just simply means three in one. Scripture describes that God is one, but he's three distinct persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this perfect, unified community of God was far too beautiful to be contained in himself. So he wanted to express himself in creation. Now, this was not the only reason he created. It's one of them. So God didn't create us because he was lonely. We need to get that straight. He didn't create us because he needed somebody to love. He had someone to love. He didn't create us because he was lacking a single thing. He created us because his glory was far too beautiful to be withheld in that way. So he wanted to express his image to the world. So with this backdrop in mind, we notice the community of the Trinity began to create. It was God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father began to speak words. And the son, scripture says, he crafted them with his hands. And the Holy Spirit says that, or the scripture says that the Holy Spirit plays the role of the sustainer of all things. He holds it all together. And these words came bursting out of God's mouth. Let there be light. Son began to create. Holy Spirit began to hold the light together. Let there be vegetation and and land and and separate the waters from the sky. and, And you know the creation account. And he created a place that would be able to sustain the image of his triune community. See, he wanted to express what life was like in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we think about the life between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was beautiful. The next thing we see in the Genesis community in your notes is the establishment of man. See, after God creates a place that could sustain his image, He finishes his creation off and saves the best for last by creating man. Genesis 2-7 describes it like this, that God reached down from the dust of the ground and forms a man and breathes life into his nostrils, and he became a human being. See, notice that God didn't stop creating here. Why? Because man alone could not express the triune community of God. He couldn't. He couldn't express the shared community within God as an individual man. He couldn't express shared love. He couldn't express cooperation within the Trinity. He couldn't express the unity that lived within the Trinity. So he continued his creative acts in Genesis 2.18. It says, God said this, it is not good for man to be alone, and I will make him a helper suitable for him. Suitable for what? Suitable to express the triune community of God because he couldn't do it on his own. How many think that's pretty cool? 
Are you a Lone Ranger today? That's the question we all must ask ourselves. Because if we're a Lone Ranger, this is not the life God designed for us. See, a Lone Ranger cannot express the triune community of God that we see before time began. The next thing we notice as we're talking about moving forward with community, the next thing we notice is this. We notice the groove of community. Somebody say groovy. Somebody say it with a little grooviness. Groovy. I know if you're not from California, it's, it's a struggle. It's okay. I'll give you grace. So when we talk about the groove, we're talking about something that describes the way a community flows together. How many know what I'm talking about? I want to point out two ways a community can flow together. The first one is this. A community can have a grumbling groove. I won't spend much time on this because Pastor kind of nailed this last week. But he described that in Exodus chapter 4, the Israelites were, were grumbling. They were complaining. They had a grumbling groove. They complained when they were enslaved. They complained when they were free. They complained as God made a way for them to move into the promised land. They gossiped. They were ungrateful. They were bitter. Let me ask you a question. Does this grumbling groove sound like the type of image that God was trying to express to the world? No, it doesn't. So why would any of us want to allow ourselves to be a part of a community with a grumbling groove? We wouldn't. There's another way to groove as a community, and I believe it's the antidote to a grumbling groove. It's called the grateful groove. Somebody say the grateful groove. Somebody say it with a little something. Say the grateful groove. I can hear you, my friend in the front row. I can hear you. I can hear you too, Julia. Now, this grateful groove reflects the triune community of God really well. Before all creation, God was happy. He was content within the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was pleased within himself before all creation. The Father was grateful in the Son and the Holy Spirit. And likewise, the, the Holy Spirit and the Son were grateful in the Father. They had a grateful groove. One thing I learned a long time ago was this, that having a grateful groove doesn't come by accident. It comes with intention. You're not grateful, mostly. The human nature is not grateful all on its own, just by default. Now, I've learned that I cannot depend on my feelings. And being grateful only when I think about it, it wouldn't happen very often. <laughs> I love Pastor's idea of the ABCs of Thanksgiving he taught about this back during Thanksgiving. He described it like this, that you would spend some intentional time going through each letter of the alphabet, naming off different things that you're thankful for. Now, I've been doing this several times a week since he challenged us to do this. And I'm telling you, there is a new groove in my life. There is a grateful groove in my life today. See, when you take time to be grateful, it changes your groove. You begin to be more aware of the many reasons you have to be grateful. And when you never express them out of your mouth, you tend to suppress the reasons to be grateful. And if we want to be a community of people with a grateful groove, we need to be intentional about it. How do you know your community has a grateful groove? It's because your community says this, thank you. When your community is grateful, it cannot help but say the words Thank you. See, you can't be a grateful community unless you're a thankful community. 
Those two things work hand in hand. You know, I love Gerald Sampson. Every time I'm around him, he's either expressing thankfulness to me or I'm observing him with a group of friends and he's expressing thankfulness to his friends. He's saying, man, I'm so glad in your life. I'm in your life. I'm so thankful you're my friend. Thank you so much for praying for me. Man, thank you for being there for me, bro. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for being a friend. Guess what I want to do when Gerald, as a grateful community member of mine, expresses his thankfulness? What do I want to do? I want to give more. I want to pour more out to him because he is just grateful. He is easy to bless. He is easy to give to. It just flows. It's so good. Can you imagine what a community of God would be like if we just said thank you? I don't know about you, but that fires me up. The more you say thankful, the more you have a giving community. Can you imagine that? I mean, some of you wonder, man, where is my community? Where is the help? My friend, I want to tell if you begin to be grateful and you start saying thank you for what you have, you will have people pop up all of your life trying to bless you. You won't be able to contain it. All because you said the word thank you. How many of you think uh, it would be appropriate right now for us to just take a moment and tell God thank you. Let's just do that for a minute. You could do it in your heart. You could just do it out loud. God, I thank you right now that you raised me in a family that put a roof over my head. God, they fed my belly. God, they drove me to church. They introduced me to the gospel. God, I thank you for my wife and her family and the, the legacy that I've received by being a part of the Benson family. God, I thank you for my daughter. God, I thank you for my friends and this church family. God, I thank you that I have a job, and I thank you that I have an able body that can get up every single day. God, I am thankful. I'm thankful. How about you today? You know, man, that fires me up to imagine a community that would live like that with one another. You know, this is a reason why Paul was so ferocious. Every time he wrote a letter to a new community of people, he challenged them to be thankful. In Ephesians, we, we see him saying this, always give thanks to God the Father for everything. We see to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, find a reason, be intentional to be grateful in everything, no matter what. To the Colossians, he said, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Man, I believe as we move together forward as a family and we do it with gratefulness and we say thank you out of our heart, man, it is going to kick the grace place into a brand new gear, into a whole new place. Having a grateful groove does not mean that things are not difficult. Please don't misunderstand me. It doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge our sorrow. It doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge our pain. It just means that in our sorrow and in our pain, we don't lose sight of the reasons that we have to be grateful. I can't tell you how many people in our church who have gone through great tragedy, but yet they have remained grateful. How about you? What's your community like? What is your family community like? What is your work community like? What is your church community and your, your C group community? What are they like? I want to suggest a couple things that are going to be really, really practical for us in terms of identifying our, our either grumbling community or our grateful community. Here's some things that God might be leading us to do. Number one, God might be using you to bring accountability to your grumbling community. And let, remind, let me remind you that accountability must be delivered with kindness and grace. Yeah. But 
after time and time and time again, your community does not receive your accountability, this leads me to the second thing that God might be asking you to do. God might be asking you to add boundaries by limiting your involvement with this community. I didn't say abandoning this community. I said limiting your involvement with this community. See, we all have to take responsibility for our environments. You might want to write this down. We can sit and complain about them or we can stand and change, but we can't do both. We can sit around and complain about the community we have or we can stand and change, but we cannot do both. See, you don't have to be the sounding board for every negative person in your life. We've got to take control of our life, hold people accountable. Listen, they're either going to shape up or they're going to ship out. They're going to either love you for it or they're going to leave you for it and find someone else to grumble. Don't worry about it. They'll have somebody to listen. (laughs) Lastly, God might be asking you to leave that grumbling community. After a lot of love and a lot of grace and a lot of kindness and repeated efforts to bring accountability and lots of prayer, you might need to distance yourself completely from this gremlin community. How many know the church is full of people? And we would be blind to think that there's no grumbling communities here. But I'm happy to say that we have way more grateful communities here at the Grace Place than we do grumbling communities. Can I hear a little witness, a little amen in the house? Where's my B3? See, a community must be intentional to avoid the grumbling. And I want to encourage you to challenge the grumbles when you hear them. Listen, as humans, everyone is is tempted to grumble. You will never find a perfect community with no grumbles, but everybody needs somebody to kindly and respectively challenge them to do something about their grumblings. We're talking about moving forward with community. Lastly, I want to talk about the genesis of community, the genesis of community. See, as we looked at Acts chapter 2, we noticed there was a working genius within this community. And the genius of this community was this. We see it in Acts 2D, 2, 2D, <laughs> in Acts 2D fruity, chapter 2, verse 42, it started off and said, they were devoted. Somebody say, 2D fruity devoted. 2D devoted. <laughs> Devotion is when you do something on purpose. It's not when you do something on accident. It's not when you do something when you feel like it. I'm afraid there's way too many people in our culture getting caught up in their feelings and their emotions, and they've lost the art of devotion. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about people with intense mental health challenges. I'm talking about everyday people who lack devotion in their life. Can I tell you something? I don't do a lot of things because I feel like it. I do most things out of devotion. But can I tell you this? Devotion produces emotion. And when you begin to do things out of devotion, you'll begin to feel like it. But never default to do things first out of emotion. Always let devotion be your default mode. I want to say these things, and you can write them down. Devotion-driven people do things daily. Emotion-driven people do things every once in a while. Devoted-driven people do things no matter how they feel. Emotion-driven people do things when they feel like it. Our pastor's led our church really well over the last 20 years because he's been a leader who's devoted. 
He gets up every day and prays whether he feels like it. He studies God's word whether he feels like it. He gets up to preach every day whether he feels like it. He loves his wife. He comes home to his wife. He comes home sober to his wife every single night. He doesn't stay out late. She doesn't wonder where he's at. He loved his kids consistently. He cared for you consistently, and he was devoted to you. What was the early church like in their devotion? I'm going to quickly name these three things, these four things. Number one, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Listen. Here's what it meant. This community was so devoted, they said, hey, when my community, the Grace Place, gathers at 9 and 11 every single Sunday morning, I'm not going to show up when I feel like it. I'm going to mark it on my calendar because I'm devoted to my community. Can I get an amen, somebody? I know the preachers met a little bit. Then, then scripture says this, that they, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Their community said, hey, when my little community gathers for fellowship in C group, um, when they gather on the first Sunday of every month or last Sunday or last Friday, I'm not going to leave it up to chance. I'm not going to th- just see if I'm not too tired to show up on C group on Friday. I'm actually going to put it in my calendar. I'm going to show up every time my C group gathers. Why? Because I'm devoted to my community. They were devoted to eating and communion. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for eating. They ate food together. My C group is going to eat a lot of food to- together, people. I'm the second stand right over there on that back row, if you're wondering. We're going to eat a lot, and they were devoted to communion, eating the, the, the elements every single week together, making sure that they remembered what Christ did for them, and they were also devoted to prayer. You know, they probably heard this a lot. Hey, how can I pray for you? That should be something that you hear often in your community. Now, culturally, things are quite different today than they were back then in the first century. There were cultural reasons why they gathered daily. They were not spread out like we're spread out. They were very close-knit communities. They did not have all the resources resources that we have. So they had to highly depend on one another for just daily survival. We don't have those needs today. We're dependent on each other in very different ways, but we don't have to be close daily like they did. What was the results of this type of devoted community? Well, Scripture says in verse 47, the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. How many of you like to see that happen in your world? Salvation, people being added to the kingdom. They lived their life open, their C groups open. They lived community, welcoming people into the community of God. Our takeaway is this. We'll only go as far as our community goes. You're only going to go as far as your community goes. You'll never... Go beyond your community unless you find a new one to be a part of. Finding a community to share a grateful groove with is the key. Finding a community to share a grateful groove with is the key. Do you share the working genius of devotion with your community? Do you have the genius of devotion? 